I'll read verses 1 through 22. Give your attention to the reading of the Word of God. In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Kebar Canal, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Kabar Canal, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. And as I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually, and in the midst of the fire as if it were gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had a human likeness, but each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like burnished bronze. And under the wings on their four sides, they had human hands. And the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward and without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of the lion on the right side, and the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces, and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures darted to and fro, like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one, of e one for each of the four of them. And as for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of barrel. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being as if it were a wheel within a wheel. And when they went, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went. And their rims were tall and awesome, and the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. And wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went. And the wheels rose along with them. For the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. And when those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them. For the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would bless her understanding this reading of your infallible, inerrant word. Amen. 
we are on the eve of a very important anniversary. And I'm not thinking of the Declaration of Independence that took place some 246 years ago. I'm thinking of the anniversary of Ezekiel having the vision on the banks of the Kebar Canal, that's hard to say together, in Babylon. Given this vision by God of this incredible um, opening of the heavens, the fourth month, the fifth day of the month, roughly translates to July 5th. So I did, I debated, I, I threatened to do a 4th of July sermon and someone threatened me if I did. So, and then I've been, I've been having a request for some time from, I, we don't, I don't often take some requests, but sometimes we do, to do the book of Ezekiel. And I was very pleased when I changed my mind to do it this week when I realized this was the anniversary of Ezekiel um, in the year 593 BC standing on the banks after he had been taken captive from Jerusalem by the Babylonians. And from that perspective, having this incredible vision of the glory of God. I have been reading through Ezekiel and thinking about this series for a while. And honestly, there are passages in this book I don't know. I'm, I am going to leave to Jay. <laughs> Jay's name written all over them. <laughs> And uh, I, don't, I don't think we will go uh, verse by verse, line by line, just because of, of, of the depth and, honestly, the content of some of these passages. It is one of the most intense books in the whole Bible, if not the most intense book. I would, I would classify it as a kind of a, a, a graphic novel. The, the language is graphic. The imagery is graphic. The picture that we have of, of, of heaven opened up here is such graphic uh, description uh, that uh, it makes us pause. Ezekiel, we're told here, was a priest. He was the son of Buzzi in the land of the Chaldeans. He's in Babylon on the banks of the river. He's a descendant of, of David's priest, Zadok. Reverend David Zadok reminds me that Reverend David Zadok in, in, in September, so we'll interrupt, no doubt interrupt this series for David's appearance. But he is of the priestly line. He is a contemporary of Daniel as well as Jeremiah. And no doubt some of their ministries overlap. Whereas those books are much more accessible, there are parts of Ezekiel that just leave us scratching our heads. What does this mean? Well, my view is 
as always when coming to the scripture is that the main things are the plain things and especially in light of the fact that the book of Ezekiel much of it is fulfilled prophecy if you want to know how it's fulfilled I encourage you to read through Ezekiel over and over during this series as well as the book of Revelation you will find some amazing parallels and important parallels and I, I really think reading and uh, going through the parallel of uh, Ezekiel and Revelation is one of the ways that we understand this book and this message the first thing I want to point out is this message of the glory of God what is it what is it uh, what is it saying to us and it's saying to us that God is utterly and totally transcendent from us and it is revealed by the description of these incredible angelic beings that are in heaven Ezekiel has the heavens opened up, much as Isaiah did 140 years prior to Ezekiel, when you recall uh, the Assyrians were threatening Israel, bringing an end to the reign of King Uzziah. Isaiah is in the temple as that that that, that incredible, uh, lengthy, uh, powerful reign of Uzziah is coming. Uh, to an end and Isaiah sees the Lord high and exalted and lifted up the train of his robe filling the temple of heaven and the angelic beings crying out and we have a description there of angelic beings and their song of holiness holy 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 I believe these are the same creatures and they're described in much greater detail. So Isaiah is looking to the north. He sees a great cloud. I was uh, out in Denise last night and about uh, eight o'clock, if you were outside, you saw a great cloud in the north and you saw flashes of lightning and we had no rain as a result, <laughs> but we had a, a great spectacular show. A storm cloud it was brewing and I have no doubt this is very uh, real uh, cloud and a very stormy wind comes flashing there's brightness all around it and there is flashing uh, there is in the midst of this cloud this uh, flashing metal like appearance there is there are these four angelic Beings that are described as having different faces, face of a man, and then at the same time, a face of a, an ox and an eagle and a lion. And they are dazzling in their appearance. A spiritual realm. It's a, it's a message that there is a spiritual realm where things exist with much more glory, with much more splendor than we could ever possibly 
imagine. Is, this is a peak for us by Ezekiel beyond the curtain of heaven. And he sees what we anticipate seeing forever. What the Apostle Paul refers to often in his epistles, like he refers to in Romans chapter 8, the, the principalities and the powers that are beyond this world like the ones he refers to in Ephesians uh, chapter 3, the rulers and the authorities that exist in heaven. This exalted view of God and his glory and the beings he has created uh, to exalt and worship him, it, it, it shouldn't surprise us that we live in a world that seeks to bring God down. And we had this question in Sunday school about, about, about why. Somebody asked a very astute question. Why, why, why do people want to diminish the person of Christ? Why do they want to set aside his deity? Or why do they want to set aside his perfect humanity? Because they want to diminish who God is. Because they can't stand the thought of a, an eminent, transcendent, holy God who rules over everything that he has created. It is hard to be surprised by the arrogance and the stupidity of rebellious men, but sometimes I am. I, I've told you many times in the pulpit, Unlike Jay Bruce, I do have a television. <laughs> Unlike him, I do watch it periodically. And one of my favorite used to be one. I can't. I can barely watch it anymore. The History Channel. The, the History Channel. You know that's supposed to be history about what happened. <laughs> and periodically they have a program on there. They have a whole program on there. It's 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 called Aliens. <laughs> And the way, the way they expound this historic account of Ezekiel is that Ezekiel saw UFOs. That this is a, and we laugh, we chuckle, but this is, this is, this is serious. They're serious that, that this is a, a description. Ezekiel saw UFOs. And Ezekiel, and you have, uh, 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 aliens inhabited there. In fact, aliens are what created life on this planet. And we laugh and we snigger about that, but that is the predominant, predominant worldview of how humans got to be where we are. Versus what the scripture says, that God made man in his own image and he made angels to reflect his glory and honor. In fact, it is fallen angels. It is demonic powers that fell. And their whole mission in this world is to diminish the glory of God and who he is. I have news for you. It's not aliens who made it. It's God who made it. And the scriptures tell us why. He made it. He made it for his glory. And he loved it so much. He loved his creation so much 
that he instituted a plan to deal with the rebellion in heaven that fell to earth and that affects every one of us. Look at these magnificent creatures of a of a, a ox and a, with a human form and of a lion and uh, an eagle. What is a, what is a lion? It's the highest of, of uh, we call him the king of the jungle, the highest uh, predator uh, there is. The ox, the strongest, one of the strongest animals, a symbol of strength and power. An eagle, the, the greatest uh, bird. All of these symbolizing the power of God and the fact that his, they, the heaven mirrors his creation and how they move. They cover uh, their eyes. They have wings. Some of their wings cover themselves and some, with some of their wings they fly. And the sound of their wings is like rushing waters. A year ago, Denise and I took our first trip to Yosemite and took it in, in a, fortunately there was a lot of rain that year and you stand below those falls and you hear that rushing water and it's, there's nothing like that sound. Some of you, I've never been to the Niagara Falls but people who have been there when it's running said the same thing. It's just rushing of water with this thunderous sound. Ezekiel compares the glory of these angelic beings and the sound they make when they fly to that sound. We, we live in a nation. We celebrate the fact. I love, I love Fourth of July and the Ozark. I've never seen so many firecrackers in my fireworks in my life as I see up here. And I love the fact that people go all in. It disturbs my sleep. <laughs> but it's not, the, and it's not, the, and, and it should be celebrated. The the war that was fought to guarantee the Declaration of Rights that we have. Ezekiel writes about the glory of God. He sees this vision of the glory of God in exile from the perspective of the exile. He is in bondage. He, he was probably, there were three waves of deportations from Israel by the Babylonians. They, they, 140 years prior to this, the Assyrians wiped out the 10 northern tribes of Israel and carried them off to who knows, but well, we know where they went. And the Bible tells us. But they were never returned to the land in full force like, uh, like Judah and Benjamin. But now judgment falls on them. And so Elijah sees this vision of the glory of God and the angelic creatures in heaven on the eve of utter devastation of Jerusalem. And as we go through the book of Ezekiel, we'll read about that devastation. And we'll read about the reason why. And the reason is because of their idolatry, because of their sexual perversity, because of their uh, failure to honor God on his day. For their violation of all of those 
10 words of the 10 commandments that we learned about in Jeff's Sunday school this morning. The message is that God keeps his people in the midst of judgment. And how does he keep them? He keeps them by his prophetic word. God always keeps his people. He always covers them and protects them and forgives them and restores them and enables them by his grace to escape the righteous wrath and judgment of God. And just as through his miraculous dealings, how does he do it? He does it by Providence. Providence. The glory of God is revealed by the wheels of providence. Now, if you read a commentary on these verses, you will find so many things, including UFOs, that will just make your head spin about these wheels within a wheel and about this chariot covered with eyes. Uh, I believe it's a chariot, rather. That's my commentary on this. I believe it's a throne chariot. Because all of a sudden the, the, uh, the, the location shifts from what he sees above him with these angelic beings to what he sees above the angelic beings. <clears throat> Sitting above the uh, living creatures are the are these appearance of wheels within a wheel now this is a very stylized chariot but it's also a throne judgment was falling on israel because they had taken the things that were so precious to the to the life of israel namely the temple and they had begin be, begun to worship the temple rather than worshiping the God who resided in the temple. Remember the prophet Jeremiah, who is a contemporary of Ezekiel, who rebuked Israel. How dare you say you trust in the temple and you say things like, this is the temple of the Lord, this is the temple of the Lord, like the temple is some kind of lucky rabbit's foot that's going to keep you from judgment. If you just say that expression. The temple is the place that God's presence resided with his people. Well, God didn't really just reside in that place. Ezekiel's vision shows that he is omniscient. He sees everything. The chariot that he rides on sees everything. It knows, knows everything. It not only knows everything, it sees everything. He rules everything. There's a storm coming, Ezekiel said. 
You see it. You see it in the north. It's billowing. It's coming. Where do you escape to? Well, Jeremiah's message is: Don't fight the Babylonians. Go with them. Don't be. Don't plan that this is going to be quick and easy. It's going to be a long time. You're going to settle there. There's a kingdom principle in this world that the Bible wants us to get. And that is for all nations, for all times, in all places. And that principle is you reap what you sow. And the way that God demonstrates that is through his providential dealings. And I believe these wheels are stylized wheels on a chariot that move in any direction, north, south, east, and west. The directions that are described, they show that it's the overwhelming power of God to permeate the whole world. That's representative of the whole world, not just the land of Israel. Charles Spurgeon, the famous Baptist preacher, uh, he, when he preached on, on Providence, he, he said, I don't know how he does what he does when I read his, he says, I decided to preach on Providence and then I decided to use this text. <laughs> That's how he introduces it. And then he tells us a story and he doesn't attribute his story so I couldn't find it. I don't know where he got it. So. Charles Spurgeon told the story, so it's got to be true, of how an ancient uh, soldier was taken captive, and his captors tied him behind the chariot wheels, and he was being drug along. And as he was being drug along, he was full of misery and despair for his fate of being captured. But then all of a sudden, as he watched the wheels turn as he went down the road, he began to laugh uncontrollably. And it's made his captors angry. Why are you laughing? He says, as he watched the wheel turn, he realized it was a picture of his life. That at, at one point he's at the bottom, but the wheel keeps turning and then he's at the top. Circumstances change according to to what God does and how he does it. It's the outworking of his plan. God's providence is always moving us in different circumstances in whatever direction he pleases. And at the end of the day, we understand where we are and what we're doing is by God's divine plan and purpose and again for his people it's for your good it is for your good and his glory that he does it it may seem extremely painful at any given moment you know if you get a diagnosis of cancer that's uh, very painful if you get uh, if you go through a horrible divorce or a difficult relationship. It's painful beyond 
comprehension. If you go through a trial in your life that drives you to despair, it's painful. But if you understand that it is God at work in the midst of these trials, then you understand his care and his provision. I believe Pastor Spurgeon is right. That's what he's talking about. In the morning, I, I try to come in very early on Friday mornings because I find that's the most uninterrupted time I can find to, to study. And I came in when the stars were out. And if you've been out early in uh, this summer, you notice this incredible display of planets that move across the sky. And it's a big circle, it's a big wheel. And some commentators have pointed out that this wheel is, is, uh, is representative of the, of the uh, solar system and the movement of the planets. And, and from our perspective, we're in the center of that. I believe there's a reason that God made nature the way he did to show us that we are at the center of his plan. I don't believe that we're just a tiny blue dot floating in the universe. This, this place that we live is, is the center of God's plan to glorify himself, the God who made it all. And he who directs it all, who not only knows all, he directs all things for his own glory. It's a very old saying that man proposes and God disposes. It's an old saying, it goes way back. I don't know where it began either, but uh, Napoleon, the famous French general, once said, heard, heard someone say that, and so he said, well, I propose and I dispose. He said that right before he had the bright idea to invade Russia. <laughs> if you know your history, he went there and barely came back by himself. He lost his whole army. That message is repeated over and over and over again to God's people. God will take the most convoluted, the most difficult history that you'll ever read in the Bible, and he will preserve the line of his king, Jesus, who will sit on the throne of David, and he will rule forevermore. It is not fate. It is not an arbitrary, the arbitrary acts of a capricious God. It is God's plan unfolded. And praise God. We are at the heart of God's plan. Child of God, Jesus has left you from before the foundation of the world. He has set his love upon you. Let me close with just four brief applications. God only and his presence 
in your life for all that matter. Our tendency as human beings is to worship the creature and the created rather than the creator. God will threaten those things in your life till you get his message. That's, that's how he shows his love for his people. We, we don't really like these exile books. We don't really like these uh, difficult circumstances that we're going through. But it's precisely these things that show us, at the end of the day, what truly matters. Second, God will get your attention if you're a child of God. God demands the undivided attention and the undivided loyalty of his people. That's the message we heard in Sunday school this morning. I hope that's the message you're hearing right now. The only right response to the grace of God and the glory of God is to offer yourselves to him wholeheartedly as a living sacrifice. It's the only reasonable that you think you can do for the God of the universe who ordered the universe to send his son to die in your place and to be raised so you could be raised in a body forever. Third, God has made us in his image and he has redeemed us for his glory. His highest happiness is to glorify himself by saving his people. It is truly an amazing grace one we can scarcely comprehend. And then for God orders everything, even what is apparently evil, <coughs> for his own glory. <coughs> Romans chapter 8 says this better than I can say it, so I'm just going to read it. Romans 8, 28, 29. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And what is his purpose? His purpose is to glorify himself. What is your purpose? To glorify him. If you're a child of God. And to enjoy his presence forever. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this great and glorious truth of your sovereignty over everything in order to glorify yourself and exalt yourself. And that the way you've chosen to do that is through your eternal plan of creation and redemption. We thank you that we stand in, in, in the full knowledge of, 
of everything we need to know about that for our life now and for our life forever. And if anyone has yet to understand the greatness and the depth of your love for them through Christ, that even now that you would bring about repentance and faith in Jesus' finished work. For we pray in his name. Amen. Let's respond with our offering as we offer ourselves and our gifts to the Lord with our morning offering. Amen. Amen. Our hymn of preparation for communion. 